Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Lauren. How is... How is... It's April. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's the last... What's the last event that happened? Uh... April, our April first special from Mister Information, I guess, yes. was the last yep. big thing to hit yeah, the we, airwaves. Exactly, and we are not allowed to to be privy. I, I mean, at least I'm not in my household. I'm not privy to like the topic and like mm-hmm. what he's going to talk about, mm-hmm. and like certainly not the recording. No, uh, of course not. So I really enjoyed how Josh really parted the kimono on our setup. Like, well, you know what I do when I'm an engineer? I check the levels and I haven't been checking the levels lately because we're recording remotely, blah, blah, blah. I was like, geez, Josh, really give away all of our secrets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, he's that's an engineer. That's what, what he does. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. Like there's, you know, I'm just saying like if uh, other podcast people find out our secrets, <laughs> what good are we? You know? <laughs> This is a perfect segue, Lauren. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so I'm glad. talking kind of, kind of all about industry secrets this Ooh. week. Kind of. Ooh, okay. Kind of. <laughs> okay, I'm starting. I'm encroaching upon your art territory this week. Oh, that's okay. Um, I figured you would be okay with it, and I feel eh, like you'll yeah. have a lot of opinions with a capital O as well. Eesh. So I oh, thought it would capital be very o with fun. A capital P. Yeah. Capital O, capital P. <laughs> Oop. Inions. Inions. Perfect. Yes. Yes. So today's episode is called A Tale of Two Artists or The Color War. Ooh. Okay. okay. And as soon as I say the first artist name, you're going to absolutely understand what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk about two artists and I'm going to talk about a little bit of a controversy mm. and a little bit of pettiness and a little bit of I love it back and forth and it's it's terrific I love this whole story okay I'm excited first up I'm gonna tell you all about Anish Kapoor oh yeah <laughs> See, I knew you knew <laughs> this guy. so Anish Kapoor if you're not if you are not familiar with his name he's a leading contemporary British Indian artist who works in large-scale abstract public sculpture so Anish Kapoor was born in 1954 in Mumbai India to an Iraqi Jewish mother and an Indian Punjabi Hindu father he spent his childhood and teen years in India but in 1971 moved to Israel and that's where he decided to become an artist In 1973, he left for Britain to attend the Hornsey College of Art and the Chelsea School of Art and Design. Kapoor earned money by working for an interior designer, and then he went on to teach at Wolverhampton Polytechnic in 1979, and he has been London-based ever since. So Mm -hmm. Kapoor became known in the 1980s for his geometric or biomorphic sculptures using simple materials like granite, limestone, marble, plaster and also pigment so these Mm -hmm. early sculptures are frequently simple curved forms they're usually monochromatic maybe they're brightly colored and he uses powder pigment to define and permeate the form so um, sculpture wise a lot of his sculptures seems to recede into the distance disappear into the ground or distort the space around them and Mm -hmm. since 1995 he's worked with 
um, basically polished stainless steel has been one of his great medium since 1995. And these works are mirror-like, reflecting or distorting the viewer and their surroundings. Mm-hmm. Kapoor has had a lot of accolades. He received the 1991 Turner Prize, the 2011 Premium Imperial in Japan. And in 2013, he received a knighthood from Queen Elizabeth II. Um, he's one of the wealthiest living artists in the world. And um, I looked this up on CelebrityNetWorth.com, you know, the, <laughs> everybody's favorite website. Yeah. According to that website, Anish Kapoor is worth $700 million. Oh, my God. All right. So I found a really good timeline and an overview of artists' works on a site called The Art Story. So mm-hmm. I went through Anish Kapoor's entry. I combed through some of his most famous pieces. So... Kind of the first one people talk about with him is called A Thousand Names. And that's from 1979 to 1980. It was on display at the Reina Sofia in Madrid, Spain. And A Thousand Names is a series consisting of arrangements of monochromatic objects set directly on the ground or hung from walls. He ritualistically laid loose pigment in red, yellow, white, and blue over these forms. And the pigments eventually spilled beyond the objects and onto the floor or the wall. His next big one is called Void Field from 1989. So Kapoor was actually selected to represent Britain at the 1990 Venice Biennale while officially still an Indian citizen. So he combined British stone with Indian pigment for this piece, which consists of 16 large, roughly cut Northumbrian sandstone blocks, which he carefully carved holes into each one and filled them with a deep powdered dark pigment. And in response to this work and to his efforts at the Biennale, um, Kapoor was awarded the Premio du Emilia, you know, my Italian is delightful. <laughs> it's perfect. Premio du Emilia for a work of a young artist under 35. Uh, there's something called Descent into Limbo from 1992. So it's a cubed building with a dark black hole in the floor. This came into the news a couple years ago in 2018 um, while being exhibited at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Porto, Portugal. Uh, a man fell into this eight foot deep hole. <gasps> And, no. And like what hurt. Um, so the exhibition had displayed warning signs. People had to like sign a waiver before they went into this thing. A staff member was manning the room. Uh, there were established security protocols, but still a guy like was peering at this dark black void on the floor and fell into it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'm hurt. looking at... <laughs> I've been Googling the images of these works mm-hmm. so I can have like a visual. And yeah, it's literally just like a black hole in the floor. And the yeah. first thing that comes up is a man fell into a Kapoor's <laughs> descent into limbo. Yeah. So and it's not even just like you're in an exhibit space and like, oops, don't fall into no. that eight foot hall. It is actually a cubed concrete building that you have to like climb steps to get yeah. to this platform to then look at this hole. <laughs> oh, my God. To look into a deep black hole. Yes. Yes. All right. In 2001, he did Sky Mirror, which was located Mm -hmm. at the Nottingham Playhouse in Nottingham, England. It was a 20 foot wide concave mirror made of polished stainless steel that was angled upward at the sky. He later constructed a 35 foot wide version of this at Rockefeller Center in New York City in 2006. Um, And I think that was there for a couple of years. That's um, that's a beautiful piece, especially it photographs so beautifully when it's on a beautiful uh, blue blue sky day in Nottingham. (laughs) So like four days out of the year. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, but it is um it is a cool piece. I will say his I will say his public art is very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. <sighs> yeah. Cool. 
Uh, <laughs> his next big one, and I mean big, was called mm-hmm. Marcius. Um, from 2002 to 2003, it was located in Turbine Hall at the Tate Modern in London. So Marcius is red PVC canvas stretched over a steel framework to create a giant double trumpet-shaped structure that's mm. 150 meters or 492 feet long and 10 stories high. Uh, the Guardian called it the biggest sculpture at Tate Modern and probably the biggest in any art gallery in the world. Um, so the work was named after the ancient Greek satyr who was an expert on the double pipe instrument known as the Aulos. And Marcius instantly became iconic because it was the first time that any artist had actually filled the Tate's Turbine Hall with just one massive piece of work. Cool. That is cool. And I think the one that probably... If you if you say the name Inish Kapoor, that would come to people's mind is Cloudgate, yeah, aka the Bean. The uh, Bean con- constructed between 2004 and 2006. That's located in Millennium Park in Chicago. So it's very iconic at this point. It was inspired by liquid mercury's silver color and thick viscosity. So the 33 foot high by 66 foot long sculpture has a 12 foot high arch at its base and consists of 168 polished stainless steel panels that are seamlessly welded together to create the illusion of a singular object. Mm -hmm. So engineers tasked with creating the sculpture first believed the design would be impossible to construct. Uh, The projected cost was six million dollars but it ended Uh up being closer to 23 million (laughs) dollars by completion of the product um that's triple the price that's basically triple the yeah almost quadruple in fact yeah yeah (laughs) for i mean chicago i don't know i guess chicago had some money and they're getting a lot of you know you get a lot of people that go see it i guess um but, you know, it's nicknamed The Bean. Kapoor reportedly hated that nickname, called it completely I mean, stupid. Though he now says that it's nice that it has a colloquial name. Ugh, you know, that's so not what snooty. he would have called it. But I guess if you guys call it that and you're going to see it, that's... Let me tell you something about art, okay? okay. It's called The Death of the Artist. And when the artist finishes his artwork, who what, however people want to interpret it or whatever they want to call it, that's the way it's going to go. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's how this works. Thank you for that You're wonderful insight. Um, another... Another major work he did was called Shooting into the Corner. So this is from 2008 to 2013. It was located at the Royal Academy of Art in London. Developed with the assistance of engineers, Shooting into the Corner consisted of a pneumatic compressor constructed to resemble a cannon, which loudly shoots 24-pound balls of wax 50 miles an hour across a room and into a corner at 20-minute intervals. Oh, my God. So meant to evoke the quote fleshiness of the body the red wax residue created upon impact drips down the walls in a suggestive congealed puddle slowly Mm -hmm. accumulating on the floor with every shot of the cannon it's it is (laughs) disgusting it's disgusting looking truly i love it it looks incredible i will say crazy it looks crazy it looks like something out of a horror movie or something out of a video game yes it is very um visceral in the most um like literal term mm-hmm. it looks like a pile of like disembodied flesh and you know what i'm glad i didn't find anything that said anybody accidentally got injured 
Oh, with good. 24 pound ball of wax being shot 50 miles an hour across the room at 20 minute intervals for five years. Oh, um, my God. So Kapoor was the first living British artist to take over the Royal Academy in London in 2009. That show attracted nearly 300,000 visitors, rendering it mm. at the time the most successful exhibition ever by a living artist in London. So wow. it was a big deal at the time. All I can think of is the poor museum workers who were like, my turn over, to clean up gonna, the balls We're going to have to scrape up this red, like red. Yeah. The, the most stainy of the colors, yes. I would argue. Uh-huh. Uh, scrape it off the walls and floor and then try and repaint this gallery for the next whatever. Like yeah. it probably took them friggin' months Yeah, I'd be interested to, to hear like how often they refreshed it or, yeah, because... You know, 24 pound balls of wax at 20 minute intervals that could pile up very quickly yeah i'm looking at like there's a couple of photos online like mm-hmm. if you just google the google image search this this piece there's photos from different intervals like you yeah. can see that just when it started and then like later on and it looks like it really <laughs> it really piled up like it's <laughs> really it really like yeah, really piled so that, up in a significant way. That was shooting into the corner <laughs> in oh London. God. Also in London, the sculptor called Orbit, whose actual f- full title is the Arcelor Mittal Orbit, also referred to as the Orbit Tower um, mm-hmm. from 2015. So it is a 114.5 meter or 377 foot high sculpture and observation tower in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in London. It is Britain's largest piece of public art. It was intended mm-hmm. to be a permanent lasting legacy of London's hosting of the 2012 Summer Olympics and Paralympic Games. Oh, right. The structure incorporates the world's tallest and longest tunnel slide, which is 178 meters. Meters. And from a structural point, it consists of two parts. So there's like the trunk, which is more or less the vertical tower, which houses the elevators and the stairs and supports the observation deck. And then there's a kind of a red tube, which kind of loops around it. Yeah. Um, that's an open lattice of red steel that surrounds the trunk. Um, it's it's kind of funky to look at. It kind of almost looks like a roller coaster. Yeah, that was what I was going to say that I would it just on like approaching it. I would mm-hmm. just assume it was like a carnival ride. Yeah. That's yep. what it looks like. That's called Orbit. And then the last piece I want to talk about of Anish Kapoor's is called Dirty Corner from 2015. Oh um, so this was located on the grounds of the Palace of Versailles in France. It was a huge steel funnel which rested on the ground amid broken stones. Um, <gasps> it was over 60 meters long, about 196 feet long, and 10 meters or 32 feet high. Um, it was nicknamed the queen's vagina and repeatedly became a target of vandalism and anti-Semitic graffiti. Um, Kapoor actually declined to remove the graffiti quote to bear witness to hatred and Versailles ended up being sued by multiple people for inciting racial hatred, public insults and complicity in these crimes. Man, the French, can I tell you, they, they have a, they just, Oh, they have opinions. They hate this stuff. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, you go to Versailles, it's like, I've been there once, I thought it was like the gaudiest place I'd ever been in my life, and now, we've been to Las Vegas twice now, so... (laughs) That's saying a lot. So I feel, uh, I feel like I'm, um, you know, my opinion is valid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, no, so Versailles is this like, very ornate, gaudy, former hunting lodge turned Mm -hmm. um, into Marie Antoinette's like, you know, lavish, um, you know 
lavish palace. And so it's this beautiful palace, these beautiful gardens. And then you have this like big, rusty, steel, fucked up funnel Mm -hmm. sitting on a bunch of rocks. And so, yeah, it's jarring. It's going to make you feel things. Um, But yeah, the, the fact that they... Um, didn't really they didn't want to clean up the graffiti mm-hmm, that that had mm-hmm. been placed on it was kind of interesting because it's you know Anish Kapoor was saying like well no you know there's anti-Semitic language on this like we need to leave this on here so that people know that this happened so they yeah. have since like they've they've done something to clean it up like they either like put a different colored like metal plate over it and then like mm-hmm. put you know some information nearby to say like this piece has been altered um from the artist's original intention mm-hmm. but yeah interesting so you probably have heard that in the news too yeah Okay, and then there's his series of objects covered in Kapoor black and this yes. is where I'm going to switch gears for a minute. Now I'm going to talk about the artist Stuart Semple. So Stuart Semple, and if you Google a picture of him, he just he just looks like a like a nerdy white boy artist with a funky haircut. Yeah, but yes. you know what? I love this man. I'll just tell you more. <laughs> Sorry, okay. off the bat. I love him. Okay, so Stuart Semple is a British artist who works across various disciplines. He's involved in technology and activism. So Stuart was born in September 1980 in Dorset, England. Um Apparently, he visited the National Gallery with his mother at age seven. And when he saw Van Gogh's sunflowers, he said that was the moment he decided to become an artist. So Mm. he studied advanced art and design at the Bournemouth and Poole College and painting and printmaking at Bretton Hall College in Yorkshire, where he studied at the Yorkshire Sculpture Park. In the year 2000, um, Semple had a sudden near-death experience following an allergic reaction. Um, He flatlined. He spent months (gasps) in the hospital, which he said later motivated his career in art. And Mm. in the early 2000s, he went by the name or username kind of Nancy Boy. He produced Mm. more than 3,000 works of art, which were sold on eBay each night at a set time. And he's noted as being one of the first artists to actually utilize the internet as like a big um, a big way to disseminate his artwork. Like there were people mm-hmm. like waiting on eBay, like at specific times every night for like three years to wow. get a piece of work by Nancy Boy. Um, so he retired Nancy Boy at a certain point. Um, mm-hmm. But when Stuart did a solo exhibition in the year 2007, there were more than a hundred. There were more than one million dollars in sales within the first five wow. minutes. I mean, that doesn't mean he got a million dollars, but like a million dollars in sales in the first five minutes. That's bananas. That's amazing. So Semple does a lot of work with remixing pop culture. He does Mm -hmm. a lot of combining bright colors, a lot of various media. Some of it kind of looks like collages in a way. He does a lot of stuff with text and like... um, iconic images and kind of reworking Mm. them he loves positive public artworks too and he champions mental health and social justice causes some of his works that you could have heard of include happy clouds from 2009 these were clouds shaped like giant smiley faces (laughs) there was a piece created using helium soap and vegetable dye and semple would release one pink tinged cloud every seven seconds each lasted only about 30 minutes and uh Little more than 2,000 completely biodegradable clouds were released in total near the Tate Modern in London that year. And then he was invited to repeat the artwork in Dublin, Moscow, Milan, and also in Australia. So it's fun. It's cute. 
very cute. And they remind me of those smiley face potato things that yes. you, you know, with yes. the smushy potato on the inside and like crispy on the outside. Exactly. Exactly. Um, in 2018, he did a series of public art installations across the city of Denver. They called it Happy City. So um, they, uh, some of the pieces, uh, one of the famous pieces from this is called I Should Be Crying, But I Just Can't Let It Show. So mm. it's installed in an alleyway between two buildings. It's basically like a giant smiley face ball being squeezed between mm-hmm. like two buildings to illustrate the human capacity to persevere under stress and pressure. Um, it's oh. made of foam, acrylic paint and steel. And if you look at like a photo of this, it's not just like, oh, here's this like sculpture between two beautiful buildings it's sandwiched between like a planet fitness and a subway like yeah like you know just in the middle of downtown denver yeah there's also at um at the union station at the great hall in denver they did a participatory installation called emotional baggage drop where people were you know it looked really cute it looked like it fit in with the surroundings of union station and you know people were invited to go in and you know leave their emotional baggage there that um, is cute. So there's a documentary about it called Mr. Happy, the public art of Stuart Semple, um, mm. which which follows his story about doing all of this um, happy city um, installation in Denver in 2018. Cool. So, you know, Stuart, he's real positive. Great. You know, loves loves making people happy, loves sharing stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Semple notably made his own materials to use in his work. So he came up with great color pigments, um, came up with combining his own like fine binders and polymers to make his art, his art materials. Mm-hmm. And you, Lauren, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time to talk about Vanta Black. Yes. So... We've switched gears again. In 2014, <laughs> Surrey Nanosystems, a company based in the UK, developed Vanta Black, an unprecedented pigment that absorbs 99.965% of visible light. Mm-hmm. At the time, this material was deemed the world's blackest black, making it a very exciting innovation for color-concerned artists. Vanta Black absorbs so much light that the human eye cannot pick up on the kind of shadows which help the brain to interpret the shape of an object. Yes. The name is a portman of the acronym VANTA for vertically aligned nanotube arrays and then Mm. the color black. Um, So what is a nanotube again? Uh, They're tubes made of carbon with diameters typically measured in nanometers. Nanometers, (laughs) if you will. Sure. So carbon nanotubes can exhibit remarkable electrical conductivity, while others can also be semiconductors. They have exceptional tensile strength and thermal conductivity. When light strikes Vantablack, instead of bouncing off, it becomes trapped and is continually deflected amongst the tubes, eventually becoming absorbed and dissipating into heat. And we've talked about this before, I believe, that that Mm -hmm. Lauren's husband, Steve, works with nanotubes um, on a regular basis. And he's given her like a little sample of of carbon nanotubes. And it, Mm -hmm. it looks really, really cool. It does look really cool, and I tend to bring it in into my class because yeah. we end, we always end up talking about Anish Kapoor at some point. But it is like, I I mean I've talked about this before, but like you hear about it and you're like, how black? I mean I've seen black paint, like whatever, mm-hmm. man. Like what I can't imagine how black. But it is so. It really is like it tricks your brain into thinking that you're like staring into the abyss mm-hmm. because there's no. Like, all you can see is, like, the outside outline of it. There are no contours to this color. It's just pure, unadulterated blackness. So I can see why an artist would be, like, especially, like, 
you know, like a goth artist would be like, Ooh, yeah. yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready for this. So here's the thing. Vantablack is highly toxic, designated yes. as harmful, becomes very hot when used. It mm-hmm. cannot be exported. It's extremely expensive. The material was being developed for scientific and military use because of its masking ability. So mm-hmm. it has the potential to hide stealth aircraft and block out all light from entering powerful telescopes, enabling them to oh, see wow. the faintest stars. And it has to also be applied in a special laboratory and it has to be sealed properly. Yeah. So Vantablack S dash VIS is a sprayable paint which uses these randomly aligned carbon nanotubes and only has high absorption in the visible light band, also called the blackest black color. And it was exclusively licensed to Anish Kapoor's studio for artistic use in 2014. Mm -hmm. So after purchasing the rights to Vantablack, Kapoor faced a backlash from the artist community who criticized him for what they perceive as an appropriation of a unique material to the exclusion of others. So an artist acquiring the rights to a process was pretty completely unheard of. Yes. Christian Furr, who's a British artist who is the youngest artist ever commissioned to paint the Queen, said, quote, we should be able to use it. It isn't right that it belongs to one man. Mm-hmm. So in 2016, our friend Stuart Semple came up with a way to channel his feelings. Um, sure. So Semple bottled up an ultra bright, high pigment fluorescent pink powder paint called all caps pink the world's pinkest pink he said quote i put the pink out because i thought it was a real contrast to the black it was quite political it's a potent color there is something aggressive about it it's a quite violent pink i thought it just made sense conceptually i just kind of put it out as a joke and i thought i'd sell like one so so Stuart is like what do you mean that this guy is the only guy who can have this blackest black well I'm gonna put out this pinkest pink and what he did is he wanted to keep Anish Kapoor away from pink so buyers of the paint were asked to sign a legal declaration at checkout to ensure that the artist and his associates would not be able to buy it for him so Stuart Temple was selling this for three pound 99 like yeah nothing at not at you know at just cost of materials again yes. to everybody except Anish Kapoor um Semple said <laughs> quote we all remember kids at school who wouldn't share their coloring pencils but then they ended up on their own with no friends it's cool Anish can have his black <laughs> but the rest of us will be playing with the rainbow so uh Semple sold pink and encouraged mm-hmm. the use of the hashtag hashtag share the black mm. so in December 2016 Anish Kapoor posted an Instagram post of his middle finger dipped in Semple's pink. Yes. Which, despite Semple's directive, Kapoor had managed to acquire. And the caption was, quote, up yours, hashtag pink. So that's a bit rude, isn't it? That is rude. Mm-hmm. Also, this pink is very pink. It's, it's a beautiful pink. It's beautiful. Uh, so... <laughs> It's beautiful. Um, So not only was Semple outraged by the fact that Kapoor had gotten a hold of the pink, but like a lot of other artists got crazy worked up about all this too. Like, oh yeah, of course. Dude. Okay. (gasps) So then Semple responded by describing Kapoor as quote, some kind of end of game super baddie who (laughs) should be old enough to know better. This was all over social media and the news. Um, I love this. Independent reported quote these are two grown men fighting over who gets to use the pretty colors <laughs> i mean they're not wrong they're not that's wrong. basically this is it. what this is 
So right after that came out, also in December 2016, Semple made Diamond Dust, the world's most glittery glitter. (gasps) I gotta Google it now. (laughs) It's an extremely reflective glitter made of glass shards. And again, available to everyone except Anish Kapoor. So the majority of glitters are made from plastics, which give an artificial look when they reflect light. But Diamond Dust is quote, different as it is made from tiny flakes of glass. When these reflect light, it achieves a unique diamond-like effect. Um, so Semple said, he'll never have seen this one coming and he's not getting a grain of this glitter until he stops acting like such a rotter and shares the <laughs> mega black. So Stuart is just like, good in it, just the black. So (laughs) Simple continued, quote, as an artist, I can't think of any other substance that I am banned from using just because I'm an artist. It's so wrong. It's so unfair. 3D printers were expensive and complicated, but due to the open source collaboration are now affordable and changing the world. This approach works for software and ideas. To move the culture forward, artists need to share what they have. So many artists have productions big enough to innovate with Fanta Black. This substance belongs to the world, not just one artist. Yes. So then... Semple decides, you know what? I'm going to create my own black, which we'll get to. Good in for a him. I, I want to point out by 2020, Kapoor had only released just one piece of work using Vanta Black. It was a oh. collaboration with switch watchmaker manufacturer Contemporain du Temps, MCT. Uh, so for a mere $95,000, you, Lauren, oh, could own the MCT S. 110 Evo Vanta Black luxury watch, which uses the material on its face. But this hmm. year, 2021, his Kapoor Black series is slated to go on display to the public at the 2021 Venice Biennial. So, mm, of course, yeah, yeah. All right. So, Stuart Semple has a website called Culture Hustle. He founded it in 2017 to create and share innovative art materials to artists globally. Everybody to everybody except Anish Kapoor. Good. So, Black 2.0 is hailed as the world's maddest, flattest black art material. The first version of black was created by artist Stuart Semple in close collaboration with color chemists, specialists from the cosmetics industry, and architectural coatings experts. You can buy 150 milliliters for just $16.99, which includes tax. It's non-toxic, black cherry scented, cold to the touch, priced Mm. at what it costs to make, and is not available to Anish Kapoor. (laughs) On the site, they say, it is important to note that this is not the blackest black in the world. It is, however, a better black than the blackest black in the world, as it is actually usable by artists. Asterisk, except Anish Kapoor. (laughs) No, by adding this product to your cart, you confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor. You are in no way affiliated to Anish Kapoor. You are not purchasing this item on behalf of Anish Kapoor or an associate of Anish Kapoor. To the best of your knowledge, information, and belief, this material will not make its way into the hands of Anish Kapoor. This guy is spending so much time rent free in Stuart Semple's brain that it's all over. It's you can't <laughs> you can't touch a page of his website without stumbling <laughs> upon Anish Kapoor's name. And I love it. It's this, great. So that was Black 2.0. Black 3.0, the site says, mm. is the blackest black paint in the world. It is the latest version of his super matte ultra black acrylic paint created with the help of over a thousand different artists who beta tested the paint. So Ooh. Black 3.0 is the blackest and maddest acrylic paint on the planet. Unlike other super black coatings, it can be safely applied with nothing more than a brush. And they've worked super hard to make it affordable. It absorbs up to 99% of visible light, can be applied with a brush or spray, works with most services, smells like fresh coffee, and mm. is not available to Anish Kapoor. And that's twenty two ninety nine for 150 mil- milliliters, uh, tax included. 
Yes. And affordable. Yes. I also love, I think, I think what tickles me probably the most about this whole process, at least like just the paint stuff, is that he goes the extra mile to give it a little bit of scent, yeah. to make a pleasant experience for, for all your senses, yes. really. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And and beyond that, there are so yeah. many pigments on Cultural Hustle, and I love them all. There's the yellowest yellow, the greenest green, the loveliest blue. There's snow, which is the world's fluffiest snow dust. There's phase, which changes from purple haze to pinkest pink. And shift, a color-changing rainbow paint, which changes from black to other colors of the rainbow based on temperature. There's oh. mirror, which is the world's mirroriest mirror chrome paint, which I am about to purchase. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something with mirror. And there's a lot more. I um, love this. In January 2021, Stuart released a multi-pack of paint under the series called Karen. They are the blandest beige colors possible in oh, shades called Manager, Live, Laugh, <gasps> Love, Zero Stars, and this is terrible. They are pumpkin spice latte scented. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Zero stars is very yes, good. Yes. And live, laugh, love, of course. And live, laugh, love is, yeah. oh, oh uh, my God, it's Semple so says good. he takes zero profit from it and is just making the pigment so that other people can have it. So basically, it seemed like people didn't truly like publicly hate Anish Kapoor until Vanta Black. Because mm-hmm. like there's a difference between inventing and copywriting something that you created. Mm-hmm. Um, so people yeah. often reference photographer Eves Klein, who made International Klein Blue. Um, yes. So uh, Eves Klein Blue is actually the official color of the Blue Man Group, by the way. But, oh. Um, so the, like there's a difference between like cr- you know creating something yourself and then copywriting the process versus yeah. like buying a lab created technology signing a legal agreement that no one else in that specific community can use it so it just like so Kapoor's agreement with the company was basically that he was exclusively the only one who could use it for artistic purposes yeah. so that way like you know the military could still have it for their stealth planes and like yeah like exactly. space could still have it for their telescopes etc um yeah but like anyway kapoor is one of the richest living artists in the world and he decided to like flip the bird at a guy selling paint pigments for five dollars and so i think that's where (laughs) i mean the level of petty in this is yeah it's delicious yeah it's truly delicious and basically and so like i started following Stuart Semple on social media like all of his posts have all some version of by blanking this blank you confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor you are no way affiliated with Anish Kapoor you're not blanking this blank on behalf of Anish Kapoor I I love it it's it's really great it's really great to read about um, and I also, uh, on a happy note, too, in 2020, Semple founded VOMA, the Virtual Museum of Art, which is a collaboration with artists, curators, game developers, CGI artists, and architects, with a vision to make a totally free, immersive museum that anyone in the world can visit. And you can find it online at voma.space. So it's kind of cool. Like, you can um, yeah. like basically walk around this, like, virtual museum, and there's people who have contributed their art to it so that, you know, you're able to kind of have this, like, virtual reality experience with with a lot of cool art without that's cool for free that anybody can go to so See, um 
I did read a couple of good articles. I'll just cite real quick. Um, there was something on artnet.news um, by Henri Neuendorf that was Anish Kapoor angers artists by seizing exclusive rights to blackest black pigment and art fight the pinkest pink versus the blackest black and wired <laughs> by Adam Rogers from June 2017. So some of those were really good, but also like looking at Stuart Semple's website. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and also Culture Hustle and also Anish Kapoor's website and also Art Story. So there's a lot to this. Um, I, I, this is hashtag not an ad, hashtag share the black, <laughs> but I, it's it's worth taking a look at Stuart Simple's like art, um, sorry, Culture Hustle site just to look at some of these cool pigments and colors that they've come up with. And like, again, the prices are totally reasonable. I can get like that mirror east mirror for like $10. And I think I, I mean, <laughs> I want to buy some of this stuff. It's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I Bless this guy and his incredible pettiness. May it carry him into a long life. Because you incredible. know what? It sounds like it's really propelled them like pigment like pigment wise. He has come up with some cool. Yeah. Some cool things too. Like the black 3.0. It sounds like it's a really great substance. Again, mm-hmm. coffee scented, yeah, not super or expensive, still absorbs ninety nine percent of light, which I mean, is pretty black for a piece of art. That's great. And so, like, yeah. yeah, on the site they have a lot of like examples of how you know what things look like on mm-hmm. like unicorn unicorn heads and all these other things on the site that you can that you can view the paint on. And I mean, it's really cool. So I love it. Ooh, so yeah, I do have. I do have that bear head in my living room. Maybe I'll repaint it with something. That would be really good. I love that idea. Maybe I'll make it pink. Pinkest pink. (laughs) And I can say, oh, that's my Stuart Semple. He would love that. (laughs) I bet he would. He would love that. Um, So yeah, that was all about the color war. I love that. You know, keep an eye out because this this story is all still developing. Oh, yeah. It's not over. No. (laughs) No. So shifting gears a little bit, Lauren, this quiz is called Homer Away. It is a quiz about professional sports teams in the U.S. and Canada that have a color somewhere in their name. And none of this is a trick. Like, it's not like you have to, like, figure out secret letters and messages and stuff like that. Like, there is an obvious color in the team name. In the name. Somewhere. All right. I will do my very best. Yes. All right. Question one. We'll get this one out of the way. What is the only nonprofit community owned major league professional sports team based in the United States? Question two. Labatt Brewing Company was the majority owner of which major league baseball team founded in 1977? Question three. Founded in 1946 in Philadelphia, this team moved across the country in 62 and took two name changes to get to what it's called now. Wearing royal blue and yellow, they delivered the greatest single season record of all time in 2015-2016, going 73-9. and What team is this? The current employer of superstar Draymond Green. Question four. You're going to learn this, Lauren. Of the original <laughs> six NHL teams, how many contain a color in their team name? Question five. The Minnesota Whitecaps are the NWHL team. That's professional women's ice hockey based in Minneapolis, St. Paul. The NWHL was established in 2015 and is the first women's professional hockey league to actually pay its players. What is the name of the league's championship trophy, which also sounds like the name of the dog assistant in Animal Crossing? Question six. 
Which football team, founded 76 years ago, was named after its original coach and co-founder? Though they disappeared for a bit in the 90s, they returned to their rightful place as a punching bag for the league, getting dogpiled on season after season. Question 7. The Orange County Breakers play in a mixed-gender professional sports league whose season normally takes place during the summer months, though the schedulers avoid the timing of other major tournaments in Paris and London. What sport is played in this league, which includes other teams such as the Springfield Lasers and the Chicago Smash? Question 8. While this team joined Major League Soccer in 1994 as the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, they have since been renamed for what Austrian beverage company that might just give you wings? Question nine, true or false? The Chicago Black Sox and the Chicago White Sox were once vaunted rivals until the Black Sox were renamed to the Cubs. And finally, question 10. Which of these are not an actual team in the Canadian Football League? A, the Ottawa Red Blacks, B, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or C, the Saskatchewan Silver Miners? I will give you about a minute to think and then be back with your sports answers. Oh, there are three primary colors. Only three are primary is true. I mean, I got, I was, I'm doing okay. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure right, we'll you're going to do fine. I just uh, did this on purpose so that you would finally learn the original six <laughs> NHL teams. <laughs> I know this was like, this was definitely a question maybe, mm, maybe a couple months to a year ago and I failed miserably. <laughs> it's still blank on my scorecard, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Question one. We'll get this one out of the way. What is the only nonprofit community-owned Major League professional sports team in the U.S.? That's Green Bay. It is Green it's Bay. Go, go Pack I'm Go. I'm so proud of you. Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They're the third oldest franchise in the NFL dating back to 1919. They were founded by Curly Lambeau and George Whitney Calhoun, and they've played at Lambeau Field since 1957. Question two. The Bat Brewing Company was the majority owner of which Major League Baseball team founded in 1977? 
Is that the Toronto Blue Jays? It is the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, hell they yeah. They are yeah. now owned by Rogers Communications. Um, the Blue Jays won the World Series in 92 and 93 and were the first and to date only team outside the U.S. to appear in and win a World Series. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, the team ordinarily plays its home games at Rogers Center, but they use Salem Field and Buffalo, New York as their yes. home for the 2020 season due to border restrictions brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic. Yep. True story. All right. Question three. Founded in 1946 in Philadelphia, this team moved across the country in 62 and took two name changes to get to what it's called now. Wearing royal blue and yellow, they delivered the greatest single season record of all time in 2015-2016, going 73-9. and What team is this? The current employer of superstar Draymond Green. Oh, my God. Uh, is this hmm, blue and yellow? The Seattle Kraken. <laughs> She's giving me a face. It probably would be good if you knew what sport this was. I yeah, guess I didn't it would say what the be sport good was if I knew question. what sports this was. But if you knew who Draymond Green was, that would be good. I don't know also, what I'll I'll tell you. I'll give you that the other another big superstar on the team is currently is Steph Curry. Oh 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 oh, oh okay. Um, yeah, this is the. Whew, Mountains, um, gold, uh, golden them there hills. Ah, shoot. The golden is it gold? Is gold involved? I'll give you the gold is involved. Okay, gold is involved. Yeah. So it's gold, gold. I'm writing the word gold. I'm gonna be so mad when you tell me. You're gonna be so mad. (laughs) I'm gonna be so mad. The gold. Not the gold nuggets. Not the gold rush. Crossing that out. I'm going to be so mad. Just tell me. The Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors. Ah! <laughs> okay. Shoot. You know, and I can it's see okay. Steph Curry in his jersey and everything. Yep. Shoot. Uh, so they started as the Philadelphia Warriors, and then they were the San Francisco hmm. Warriors, and then in 71, they changed to the Golden State Warriors. Interesting. Famous players have included Wilt Chamberlain, Rick Barry, Tim oh, wow. Hardaway, and Kevin Durant, and then, you know, currently on the team, Steph Curry. Um, yes. You should know that, that they went 73-9 and nine in 2015-2016. Yeah, wow. And which is like... It's insane. And they went like 24 and 0 to start the season too, oh which is God. like, is, That's, again, yeah, like, it's insane. crazy. They were crazy talented. All right. Question four. Of the original six NHL teams, how many contain a color in their team name? Out of six, I'm going to say. Yeah. You know what? That's why I made this a number <laughs> question. Because you could guess. So I could easily guess. I'm going to say two. How many is it? The answer is two. Yes. Can you tell yes. me what they are now? Oh, absolutely not. You already got the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I do not know. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The original six are the Chicago Blackhawks, the mm. Detroit Red Wings, yes. the Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadiens, Toronto Maple Leafs, and New York Rangers. So the original okay. six were from 42 to 67. And then the big 1967 expansion happened that basically Mm -hmm. doubled the size of the league. That added the LA Kings, Minnesota North Stars, Oakland Seals, Philadelphia Flyers, 
St. Louis Blues, and of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. All right. Another hockey question for you. Number five, okay. the Minnesota Whitecaps are the NWHL team. That's professional women's ice hockey based in Minneapolis, St. Paul. The NWHL was established in 2015 and is the first women's professional hockey league to pay its players. What is the name of the league's championship trophy, which also sounds like the name of the dog assistant in Animal Crossing? So I hate to say this, but I know n- nothing, nothing about either women's hockey or animal crossing. <laughs> so right. it was, this was actually like recently on TV, which is why Josh oh. knew like they just finished the season like last month. I, I he, he's given you he's the, offended, he's given you the question he's offended arm that I said it like that. We like hockey and he knows a lot about sports, but it was just recently on TV in the last couple of weeks. Sure, anyway, sure. it's called the Isabel cup. I S O B E L. He's so bad. Like, like, um, like the Bjork song. Yeah. And you know what? I was going to say that as a clue. And then I was like, no, that's kind of obscure. Oh, but see, that's, that's like, oh, that's all I've been that's doing. That's you would have got there. <laughs> you know, I would have got the actual pop culture reference, but the Bjork song <laughs> that didn't even have a Wikipedia page. So I couldn't even be like, well, it was a popular song. I was like, yeah. well, it existed. So yeah. I know every word to that song. So the Isabel Cup was won by the Boston Pride in 2021. The trophy is named after Lady Isabel Gathorn Hardy, who was one of the first known women to play the game. And she's also the daughter of Lord Stanley, who's the namesake of the Stanley Cup. Yay. The Minnesota Whitecaps won it in 2019 and the Buffalo team won it in 2017. What is the Buffalo NWHL teams called? They're the Buffalo... They're not like the Lady Sabres. <laughs> no, they're not the Lady Sabres. No. <laughs> there was like the Lady Bisons at one point. We had like a, a women's baseball team, I think, at one point, like a AAA women's baseball. They were called the Lady Bisons. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're the Buffalo Buttes. Buttes. Yes. Okay. I have seen like jerseys yeah. of that and stuff. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Question six. Which football team founded 76 years ago was named after its original coach and co-founder? Though they disappeared for a bit in the 90s, they returned to their rightful place as a punching bag for the league, getting dogpiled on season after season. Is this uh, the Browns? It is the Browns. Yeah. Cleveland Browns. Okay, so other things to know about them. While the Browns are officially the only NFL team without a helmet logo, at this current point in time, the Washington football team is also Mm -hmm. playing without a logo on its helmet, which will likely change if they decide to actually give their team a name. You know Um, what? At this point, they should just... I I really like the idea of the bland anonymity of the Washington football team. Yeah. yeah, or like like with in community where their 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 mascot could just be the human, <laughs> the humans. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> just a guy in a morph suit. It's great. So apparently, Elvis Presley loved the Browns. Really, um, his friend Gene Hickerson, who he played football with. Um, in Memphis uh, Gene was contracted by the Browns in 57 and played there during his entire career until 1973 other long-suffering Browns fans include the Miz LeBron James Drew Carey Arsenio Hall and Valerie Bertinelli (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a weird mix that's why hot in Cleveland happened was because (gasps) Valerie Bertinelli had such an attachment to the city 
bless her. All right. Number seven. The Orange County Breakers play in a mixed gender professional sports league whose season normally takes place during the summer months, though the schedulers avoid the timing of other major tournaments in Paris and London. What sport is played in this league, which includes other teams like the Springfield Lasers and the Chicago Smash? Um, this is a mixed gender sport. Uh-huh. The first thing that came to mind, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say pickleball. <laughs> well, that's not right. Um, it's very big right now. Pickleball is very big right now, apparently. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the answer is tennis. Oh, well, I was very close. <laughs> the league is called World Team Tennis. Mm, so mm, mm. each match consists of five sets and each set features a different configuration. So men's singles, men's doubles, women's singles, women's doubles and mixed doubles. Prior mm. to each match, the coaches decide the order in which the sets will be played. And each player on a team usually plays in at least one of the five sets. And the first team to reach five games wins each set. So in June 2020, World Team Tennis announced it would be the first major professional league to resume operations since the worldwide outbreak of COVID-19. So the league committed to play the entirety of their 45th season at the Greenbrier Resort in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia from July 12th to August 2nd. Um, So I was looking up like some of the rosters of these people. Venus Williams is on the Washington Castles World Tennis Team. World Team Tennis League team and um, Kim Clisters is on the New York Empire, for example. So like it's not just like you know oh this is joe smith and this is as far as his career went like yeah there are actual like famous people that play on Legends. on world team tennis exactly yeah mm-hmm. cool all right uh question eight while this team joined major league soccer in 1994 as the new york new jersey metro stars they have since been renamed for what austrian beverage company that might just give you wings is this Red Bull? It is. Yes. Since 2006, the New York Red Bulls have been owned by Red Bull GmbH, which also owns uh, FC Red Bull Salzburg, RB Leipzig, Red Bull Brazil, and Red Bull Bragantino. Like, they, and all of the logos look the same. It's like just the Red Bull <laughs> logo that everybody's wearing. So they're uh, real, into, real into the international football, if you will. But I yes, will say... The New York Red Bulls. I, I did attend a flugtag in the Red Bull, like flugtag in Minneapolis, where people like mm-hmm. build like flying machines <laughs> sponsored by Red Bull. It's a good time. It's a lot of fun. And they launch themselves into the Mississippi River. It's it's cool. And people are still popping out of the end to this day. Yep. Incredible. All right. Question nine. True or false? The Chicago Black Sox and the Chicago White Sox were once vaunted rivals until the Black Sox were renamed to the Cubs. Uh, I'm going to say true. The answer is false. No. The Chicago Black Sox were never an actual Major League Baseball team. Shoot. In 1919, players from the Chicago White Sox conspired with professional gamblers to rig the outcome of the 1919 World Series, throwing the series against the Cincinnati Reds. Eight members of the White Sox were permanently banned from baseball for their involvement, and they were given Mm. that moniker. I say that's where I got confused. Mm-hmm. 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 And finally, question 10. Which of these are not an actual team in the Canadian Football League? A, the Ottawa Red Blacks. B, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Or C, the Saskatchewan Silver Miners. 
I'm going to say, you know, what? I'm going to go with my initial thought. I'm going to say A. Uh, the answer is C is not C. real. Uh, the Saskatchewan <gasps> team is called the Rough Riders. One word, Rough Riders. Rough um, Riders. Before the Ottawa Red Blacks like came into the league, they um, they were basically, they took over the franchise of the Ottawa Rough Riders. Two words. So at one point, there were two teams at the Canadian Football League called the Rough Riders. One with one with no space. One uh, with two words. It's, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> so anyway, you're like, not the Rough Riders, but the, the Rough, rough riders. riders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm a Rough Riders I'm a fan, rough not riders. a Rough Riders fan. I root fan. for the Rough Riders, not the Rough Riders. <laughs> I hate um, the Rough Riders. But they have they have since kind of, you know, They've uh, remedied that. So, you know, the Ottawa Red Blacks are real. Um, And I thought this was interesting. So in the CFL, similar to how we have the Washington football team in the NFL, the Mm. Edmonton uh, football team, which was uh, which was previously for its many decades of existence called the Edmonton Eskimos. They changed their name to the Edmonton football team in July 2020. And in February of this year, the team announced several choices for consideration, all based around keeping the theme of the initials being EE. So Mm -hmm. the options for the public to vote on were elk, evergreens, evergolds, eclipse, elk hounds, eagles, and elements. So they still have Mm -hmm. yet to announce what the final tally was, but um, the Edmonton football team is the CFL is the CFL team who have also since um, decided to get rid of their racist, racist past. M- yes, racist <laughs> name. So. Yeah. Well, good for them. Good for them. I'm, I'm partial to Evergreen. I think that's good. I like the that Edmonton too, Evergreen. which would also be very convenient for this quiz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised the Cincinnati Reds did not make an appearance on this, but you know. I could, it you, couldn't all be baseball, Lauren. Couldn't yeah, yeah. Baseball. You're right, you're right, you're right. Well, well, that was great. great. Job. Thank you so much. Great job. So we've got a lot of um, a lot of listener feedback about uh, a publication that's come out recently, Lauren. <gasps> yes, um, my book came out a couple weeks ago. Um, a bunch of people have actually sent me photos of their book that they pre-ordered. So thank you so much Isn't for that. Amazon that's like, number one in fashion. It's an a- it is. It's Amazon number one in new releases and fashion, which is like so like mind blowing to me that like our little book is like somehow above a couple of like very significant fashion writers. Because it's very pretty. It is very pretty. It is a great resource for not only fashion designers, but also artists and quilters and fabric designers and jewelry makers and tattoo artists and basically anybody who just likes looking at pretty fabric patterns, patterns that you know, are from, you know, anywhere from 1850 to like 1990 something. Some so, of the mid-century ones are really out there. I'll just yeah, say that. Yeah, I am, you know, it's I can so do funny. without like, the clowns, okay? The clowns were, can I tell you, the clowns were specifically, Jeff included, to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'm including these clowns and you can't say anything about it. Like he was like, <laughs> did that to me on purpose. But I will say, um, I am not somebody who loves a 70s palette. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like an acid yellow and an orange and like a brown and like an avocado green that really kind of turns my stomach. And I realized recently it's because my grandparents um, used to make my sister and I watch H.R. Puffin stuff. And I think that really like set off yeah. my hatred of that color palette. 
But every time I show people the book in person, like at work and stuff, they immediately turn to the 70s stuff and it's like, oh, look at that. Isn't that incredible? And I have to go, Yes, but you know what? To each their own. People like a 70s palette. It's very hot right now. So um, yeah, check out my book. It's called 500 Patterns. It's by me and my good friend Jeff and my and good friend Todd guys. Conover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, other plug. So if you missed the Strong Trivia Night in January and you missed the Mag Trivia Night in March, don't worry. You have yet another chance to see us <laughs> read you trivia questions off of your computer screen. Because on Thursday, April 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, Lauren and I will be presenting video game trivia asterisk for non-gamers. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you like video games, this is a great trivia event for you. And if you don't know enough, if you don't know anything about video games, this is also for you. Because each question will have two paths to get you to the correct answer Mm -hmm. one if you are a video game fan who has a great interest in the games that are already inducted into the world video game hall of fame and the other is a clue that will get you to that answer even if you don't know anything about the world video game hall of fame inductees so uh we are doing this to promote the upcoming world video game hall of fame induction for the 2021 class that will be at the beginning of may this year um so come learn a little bit about video games um play some trivia look at our faces on your screen all the money goes to the strong um and it it will be a fun time absolutely hell promise yeah, help us build our local media empire. Also, let's have a strong misinformation contingent because you know that there's going to be those video games. Like, I would rather have misinformation video game nerds winning this than those other video game nerds that don't listen to our podcast. Exactly. And you so, all know who we're talking about. No. You know who we're talking about because they don't listen to this podcast and we can talk trash about it. They listen them. to Joe Rogan. <laughs> we don't have any crossover between listeners. No of uh, misinformation and Joe Rogan. Um, Yeah, so you can get to those links off of our social media or, you know, go to the Strong Museum's website, museumofplay.org. You'll you'll see us there. Yeah. Oh, also, we raised almost $300 for the National Women's Law Center this month. Well, April. I mean, uh, excuse me, March. For March, we raised almost $300, which is incredible. Thank you so it much, was everybody. Wonderful. That was beyond what we were even Absolutely. envisioning. So yeah. thank you to everybody who bought um, limited edition merch off of our Public store. Thank you for everybody who sent along a couple extra bucks um, through PayPal this month. Everything is going to the National Women's Law Center. Lauren will post our receipts once we, um, once we send that along. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for doing that. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely d- do another fundraiser, I think within the next year or so uh, for sure, because this was, this was fun. And it also kind of gave us, a, it gave us a cool excuse to pitch, to like pitch a really cool, like nonprofit. And also to like uh, flex Julia's creative skills a little bit on Canva. So oh. <laughs> she's so good my at it. Favorite. I just want to do that full time now. She's a Canva <laughs> savant. <laughs> what can I say? Um, yeah. And so, uh, so you never know what's coming down the pike. So keep that in mind. But um, we hope to see you at our uh, trivia night coming up. And you'll be hearing about that definitely on our social media. So, so that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Thanks, you all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do this now. Okay. <laughs>
Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. Bye. Bye.